the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Podcast here on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm your host, Nick DeGilio. It's episode 118. It's a Friday. Hope everybody has a lovely weekend. Uh, we got a great uh, episode uh, lined up for you. My good friend Monica Ang is going to join me. She is with Axios.com um, and she's part of the Chicago, uh, the Chicago branch of Axios, where they take uh, some really great news stories and some fun stuff. And do a newsletter on the website every single day. She and my old friend uh, from WGN, uh, Justin Kaufman, are the people who basically run the Chicago version of Axios.com. It's a great website, so we're going to talk about some of the stuff that's been on Axios, stories they've been working on, uh, some of the really cool things. And also, Monica has a new book out that she put together with David Hammond. And that book is called Made in Chicago, Stories Behind 30 Great Hometown Bites from University of Illinois Press, and it is a, a terrific book detailing 30 classic Chicago foods, the history, who puts up the best ones. Uh, Monica has been writing about food for many, many years, back in the days when we used to work together in the Tribune building. Um, I would have her on, and she would actually do crazy stuff like, will Monica eat that? And she would eat some of the craziest food. It's always great to talk food with Monica, and she's also just a great journalist and a great writer and a really funny person and just awesome. And uh, can't, I can't wait to talk about her new book, and congratulations to her on, uh, on her new book with David Hammond, Made in Chicago, Stories Behind the 30 Great Hometown Bites. So we'll talk about that and much more and Axios and all that cool stuff. My partner uh, in crime, Esmeralda Leon, will join me uh, for another magic megaphone message. If you have a magic megaphone message, I will be your conduit. I am your monkey. I will say whatever you want me to say into the magic megaphone. It will hit the ether, be recorded into the podcast for tons of people to hear. If you've got an inside joke or a message for someone or a line from a movie, whatever you want to be said into that megaphone, I will say it. So you can leave instructions and that message for me anytime you want, and I will grant those megaphone messages by sending an email, uh, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Tell me what you want me to say for the magic megaphone, and I'll do that. And also, any comments in general, suggestions or questions or anything like that, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And also, we encourage everybody who's listening to jump in and leave us voicemail messages. Our voicemail system is open 24-7, and we want and love and encourage everyone to call with any messages they want, comments, questions, concerns, whatever. Megaphone message, whatever. We want to hear from you. Feedback is awesome. 773-417-6948. So leave those voicemails and send those emails. And on top of that, if you want to be a sponsor, and this podcast is very popular, it is. Lots of people listen to it, and you will reach a lot of people if you have a business and you want to advertise with us. Do it. Be a sponsor. Uh, sales at RadioMisfits.com. Say, hey, I would like to sponsor. I would like to advertise on the Nick D podcast. Let us know. 
sales at radiomisfits.com. We can hook that up for you. My thanks to Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits. And speaking of Radio Misfits, radiomisfits.com is the best podcast network in the world. Tons of informative and entertaining and awesome podcasts that you should check out. And then take the time to please give us feedback and rate and review us on every single platform. So that's how you get a hold of us. That's how you're part of the podcast. And look who's part of my life. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. So it's Friday, um, and uh, uh, I'm not recording this early, uh, about 12 hours before I see Cocaine Bear. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Um, it's Friday. I've already seen Cocaine Bear, but I don't feel like telling you about it yet. <laughs> I don't. Oddly, you know, I've seen it. I'm not lying to you about it being a Wednesday morning and not Friday. Uh, and that I'm about 12 hours away from the screening of Cocaine Bear, so I haven't seen it yet. That's not true. The fact is, you know, I want to keep the illusion going. It's a Friday morning, and I've seen Cocaine Bear, but I don't feel like talking about it right now. Sorry, Carrie. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. But I will talk about it extensively, both here and on WLS uh, when I'm on with Steve Cochran on The Steve Cochran Show. You should tune in to the best morning drive show in Chicago by, like, miles. Steve Cochran, uh, weekday mornings on uh, the Big 89 WLS, 5.30 a.m. to 9 a.m., and you can hear me every other Friday and sometimes more uh, on the Steve Cochran Show where I'm the official film critic. So, anyway. Uh, yeah, so that's it. It's Friday. Have a great time. Esmeralda will be joining me later. We're going to be talking about newer inventions, inventions that have happened in the last decade or so that have actually really helped and changed the world. So not stupid inventions, but real ones, more recent ones that are actually pretty amazing. We got that coming up uh, and more. Uh, but right now, uh, before I say congratulations, let me just say that Monica Eng is going to be joining us to talk about her new book and much more. And that's happening right after you listen to yourself being congratulated by Jason Skaggs. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jagoff. And I would like to welcome uh, back to the podcast one of my favorite guests uh, who I've been a fan of for many, many years since we both occupied the same building. Uh, I was working downstairs. She was working upstairs. And she would come downstairs. Jeez, I sound like we're, we're butlers and maids. Uh, I know. Upstairs, we, but, downstairs. <laughs> but we weren't. Monica uh, worked at the Tribune building for many years as a journalist and a writer there. And I've known her for a long time. Uh, was a regular guest on my, on my regular show at WGN and now has been a regular guest on my podcast. And I welcome Monica Ang back. Hi, Monica. Hey, Nick. Great to be here. Thank you for for doing this. So th now, you know, I mean, you're normally you're on the show. You're you're on the you're on the podcast semi regularly, you know, and yeah. and because we love to talk about Axios, and of course we love to talk about food. Yes, but this is like big time now because you've got like a book and stuff. Yeah, you know, I finally <laughs> took all those useless articles and useless knowledge I had about Chicago food and uh, stuffed it into a book that you can buy at your nearest bookstore or on your online retailer. And I'm actually hoping to um, uh, ask the students that I'll be teaching about food journalism at Northwestern this uh, summer to buy it. So I'll be one of those professors who's like, well, there's this excellent book that you must buy. Uh, can you just put it in the curriculum? Can you just say you have to buy 
uh, this yeah. book. Uh, can you do that? Or is that against yeah. the law? Um, it's it's not against the law. In fact, I know a lot of professors who do, <laughs> and they, bet, yeah. they actually have very expensive books. This one is just $19.99 and a oh. joy to read. Um, and actually perfect for this class uh, because yeah. I'm teaching about food writing in Chicago neighborhoods. Oh, man, that's great. How did that happen, uh, the teaching gig? That's, uh, that's amazing. That's really cool. And I can't think of a better person for the gig, really. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, Northwestern just asked me, they said, we've got um, some Adele students who'd like to learn about food writing and what kind of topics would you like to cover? And I said, well, I'd love to take them to a bunch of different neighborhoods in Chicago and say, okay, you know, let's explore these places and you tell me what food stories you think can come out of this. Oh, man. And um, I had some great students for the last two years and hope to have more this summer. All right, I didn't know about this class, Monica. So yeah. where can I sign up? I have to do. I have to do. I have to go to college at Northwestern. Do I have to be a student? You, you got to enroll in the master's program at the Dell School of Journalism. Something that I was never able to do or afford <laughs> or able to afford. So, uh, do you like teaching? How long you been? It's a couple of years. You said so. How long you yeah. been doing this? Um, I, I do, you know, the first, they always say the first time when you got to get the syllabus together is the hardest one when you just kind of figuring out what works. But then when you, you know, go back and you're already familiar with, um, kind of how you want to teach it, it helps. Um, so yeah, I do. It's, it is exhausting. I used to hear from teachers all the time. Oh my gosh, I just lectured for three hours. And now I need to collapse. Um, but it is, it's probably sort of like performance. You've got to be on the whole time. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, you're not used to that as, as a little scrivener behind a tape, uh, behind a, uh, a typewriter. Wow. Um, so, well, as yeah. someone who, know, who someone who knows you and has worked with you uh, in the communication world and on radio, you're very entertaining and you're a great oh, storyteller. So I, 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 I think that your personality completely lends itself to being a really cool teacher. And I think that that's great. Well, thanks. Uh, how often does the class meet? How, how many times a week is it? Um, it's actually only once a week. And right. so, you know, we go, you know, let's say we're going to Devon this week or we're going to Pilsen or we're going to Chinatown. Um, you know, we, we go and, and I have all these stops that we're going to go to and, and speakers at each stop or sometimes oh. one speaker will take us through. Yeah. And, and then I ask them, you know, well, what, what food stories did you pick up along the way and what kind of reporting do you need to do to follow it up? And they turn in uh, stories about, you know, wonderful foods they've found or characters and, um, and everybody gets an A. No, um, they get an A if they do all the work. <laughs> so just like, and that's really cool because that's like hands-on journalism for them right like they've got to get the story and they've got to you know and they're actually going on location uh yeah that's pretty cool are there a lot of classes that do that at northwestern where you go out on the street and you in the journalism department and just like kind of do the hands-on at the place thing um you know what i hope there are but uh you know during covid a lot of that was oh, yeah. was rough and yeah. so luckily you know when i started it we were able to do a lot of stuff outdoors um, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of journalism is theoretical. And so I loved bringing something that was very, yeah. uh, hands-on and tactile and, and delicious. You know, you yeah. have to balance a lot of, of food allergies and preferences sometimes among the students, but so you find something for everyone. Does your class cost more because you, you feed them? Um, or does well, everybody pay for their own stuff when they go? Uh, Northwestern was, is very good about giving me a budget and saying, okay, so, you know, you work it out with the restaurants. We get these, you know, mm. two, two tacos here, and then we get these carnitas here, and we'll pay, pay in advance. And so it's, it's covered in their um, – How big's your class? Curriculum. Um, it was only about 12 students last year, so it's it's workable. You know, when you're kind of yeah. like carting them from restaurant to restaurant, sometimes some pretty small places, you don't want it uh, to be like, you know, a cast of thousands. Sure. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. I didn't know about that. How, how did I not know that you've been doing this for a couple of years, Monica? Well, you know, I, I keep it on the DL, but you know, Nick, if you ever want to go and explore a neighborhood, I will take you and I will personally give you the class. That's it. That's it. You, you, you've you just made it. You know, you've just made a huge mistake <laughs> by, by, by offering that to me, you know, or you can just buy the book and then do a self-guided well, tour. There you go. Look at how you know how to segue. Look yeah. at how you know how to yeah. segue. Um, but before, no, actually, before we get to the book, I want to talk about Axios, as I always do when you come on. Um, you and my buddy and, of course, ex-compadre at WGN, Justin Kaufman, mm-hmm. work on the Chicago branch of Axios. Yep. Tell everyone about Axios and what you guys have been working on. I want to talk a little bit about that because it's so awesome. And then we'll get to the book. Is that cool? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So so Justin and I are uh, Axios Chicago, a two-person office, and we write a newsletter five days a week, soon to be seven days a week. Um, wow. That goes into your email box, and hopefully you won't be annoyed by us. And we give you sort of five five little stories that you should know about today. And um, uh, most of it is original reporting. Sometimes we'll say, here are a bunch of things from around the Chicago news landscape that you might have missed, and here are some links to them. But um, we try to have fun. We do politics. We do environment. We do business. We do a lot of food. We do a lot of culture. And we just want to have you be informed about Chicago, but also be happy um, and, and, and laugh and learn something delightful about your city. Uh, mm-hmm. Tomorrow, actually, we're doing a live forum at the, uh, at the hideout. We are interviewing seven, maybe eight of the mayoral candidates, but not the usual, okay, what are you going to do about crime? We want to know, where do you go grocery shopping? What would be the oh, fastest awesome. route? Yeah, so the fastest route between City Hall and your house. What streets would you take? Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite oh, that's, taco? That's yeah. so cool. By the way, I'm glad it went well because that happened yesterday, Monica. Oh, right, right, right. Of course, <laughs> yes. That event yesterday. It was an amazing event, correct? You guys had a yes. great turnout. and oh. uh, they. And all the candidates answered the questions very, uh, very well. Correct? That's right. They they showed us a more human side of themselves. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, well, uh, very, very. But that's a that's a great angle to take. No, you and you and Justin are two of like seriously two of like my favorite people in oh. uh, in the, you know in the world of reporting and broadcasting in Chicago. Um, I think you guys are both have amazing personalities, and it's you are the perfect two people to do this to do this Axios thing in Chicago, and uh, and I love it. I think it's great. Uh, yeah, I think we balance each other out well. I mean, I, I even though my son plays sports, <clears throat> I really know nothing about sports, and he is a sports fanatic. So yes. he loves taking care of that, and he loves doing the nitty gritty. Like he this week uh, did uh, a story about all fifty aldermanic races. I'm like, you're crazy. Whoa. I said, Whoa. you don't do a story about all fifty. It's going to be a problem. He's like, no, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so he yeah. took on every single race. And I love, you know, writing about food and culture and the environment and yeah. um, and yeah. health. So it's a real well, nice balance. It's great. I mean, I followed I followed Justin uh, on on the radio for a few years. You know, like his show was was before mine. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, and we knew each other from you know the radio and this you know being at the station and stuff like that. And and you know, and like he he's you know he was he was always one of the go to guys at GN when they would cover politics. Or on, like, election coverage. He would be there yeah. that night. You know, he would cover it. He's the guy. So, you know, him covering 50 aldermanic races does not surprise me <laughs> yeah. at all. So, it's quite a but feat, but, yeah, that's, that's, his, that's his jam. And people can subscribe uh, to uh, Axios and get the newsletter. Tell us, tell us how so that everybody can read you and Justin and your stuff. 
Sure. You just go to Axios.com slash local and you choose Chicago as your city or you can choose from 25 other cities that you might want to know about. Yeah. And then you get a little perky email from us every morning at 630 a.m. about things you should know about in Chicago. That's amazing. Well, that's great. And uh, and uh, wow, you're, you're going to seven days a week now. Does Is it are you are you like expanding the staff at all or are you guys just going to be working seven days a week? You should be our union representative, except we don't have a union. Um, well, yes, we are doing more uh, more sense without any new help, <laughs> but uh, that's it's it's coming. They tell us we're going to get a third reporter soon. Okay. So, um, so we're going to start writing a Sunday send, which is going to be sort of more like a CBS Sunday Morning. Hey, here's the sort of fun thing that you can do in Chicago, or this sort of like a nice. Um, uh, with something called Sunday Drive, like sort of adventures you can take on a Sunday in Chicago. Sure. So sure. it'll be less newsy. And then um, actually our, our Axios hub, they're going to be writing the Saturday's end, which is going to be all about real estate in Chicago. So really, we oh, only okay. have to write six days a week. Well, but, still, that's uh, a lot, Monica. Let's get is. that union. You, know, you, can, you, can change my name to, <laughs> you can change my name to Hoffa, and I'll jump right in. Right. I'm, I'm good. Then, Norma then I'll be, Ray. Nick Ray. Nick Ray. <laughs> that's yeah. right. I could stand up on, on top of something and hold a sign that says union. I can do there, that. There you go. I'm, <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, Axios, check it out and subscribe. Uh, lots of really cool stuff. Um, and now, was this slot car thing covered? That something you covered for Axios? Well, it's going to be our first Sunday send, and oh, so awesome. that's going to oh, be. Well, let's yeah. talk about that then. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So in two days on Sunday, you'll be able to read about this place that I just stumbled across. So I grew up in the North Park area, so it's a really sleepy area, sort of known for maybe WTDW or Northeastern Illinois University yeah. on the northwest so, side, like around Foster Kimball. Kedzie, yeah. that kind of area. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so like I went to grade school at Peterson School sure. um, at uh, at Kimball and Bryn Mawr, yep. where and um, and it's always like <laughs> the businesses around there have always said one day it's going to perk up around here, and, um, <laughs> and it's still pretty sleepy. Yeah, it's pretty is. <laughs> but there is uh, this place called the Bryn Mawr Breakfast Club, which has kind of become hot, and then this bar that I met some grade school friends at, and as I was walking out, I passed by this place called Run Rabbit Run. And I looked inside. I'm mm-hmm. like, what is that? Yeah. And I go in there and it's this couple. They're like, oh, welcome. Um, and I said, what is this place? They're like, it's slot car racing. And it's like when you were a kid with your friend, you're sitting on the rec room floor and you're like, hey, okay, this is my car. This is your car. And you have that like remote control thing and you race it and then you go too fast. So you fly off the curve. And this guy has set up two really big tables with like mountain scenery and twists and turns. And for for ten bucks for half an hour, you can control these cars and race your buddies and pretend you're ten years old again. And um, and I'm writing about it. And I said this is something that you can go and go to this sort of sleepy stretch of Bryn Mawr and North Park and go racing. Um, and, and I asked him, I said, why did you open this? And he's like, there's nothing to do in this neighborhood. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, you're right. I grew up here. And now you yeah. can like pretend you're 10 years old again, racing in your buddy's basement. That is so cool. Now, wait, now, Run Rabbit Run was, did, when did it open as a slot car place? When did the, when it? It opened did... like, uh, like a month ago. Okay. But it was always there, Run Rabbit Run. But, uh, really? Yeah, I think it was a different. Maybe it was a bar or something because um, it's on Bren Mar. Maybe is they it, took. Yeah. Is it Bren Mar and Elston? No, no. This is. Oh, you're thinking. I think of Ricochet Rabbits. No, Ricochet. No, Ricochet's. Oh, trust it? me, I know. Well, maybe Ricochet Rabbits because <laughs> I Ricochet's in Lincoln Park. No, or, I'm, I'm thinking sorry, the one. L- you, the, Lincoln Square. 
No, I was thinking of Ricochet when I used to come home from O'Hare and take uh, Elston home. Okay. But this is this is just like a little place. And maybe there was another place called Run, Rabbit Run. But this is just a little place on a super sleepy in between Kedzie and Kimball on Bryn Mawr, okay. uh, where okay. there are tons of open storefronts. And you just go and you you play cars. Do they do they serve drinks or food or anything like that? Or is it no, just the- I- Nope, I don't think they have a license for any of that. Um, it's just you go there and you play with cars. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah, very, very like low tech, very nostalgic. I asked the guy, I said, well, is this because, you know, your kids were playing with these cars and you just brought it here? He's like, nope, nope. Uh, my kids graduated and um, my wife gave me this this race car track for uh, for Christmas one year. And I decided to, you know, make a hobby of it. Oh, that's amazing. So you just stumbled upon it. You were like, what is this place? And you walked in and that's it. That's how you discovered the place. Yeah. And I was like, I want to take pictures and I want to um, write about you guys. And so I hope that this will like let this business survive. Yeah. Um, And I, cause it, it, you know, when I, when I passed by the other day, it was like, oh, it's still not a lot of people. It's just open in afternoons. I think he has a day job. Uh, yeah. it's maybe, I think a straight day job, but in the afternoons, I think from three o'clock well, till nine, it sounds great play. to me. And I hope it yeah. gets a run rabbit run on Bryn Mawr, uh, in yeah. North park where you can do some slot car racing. Um, and you'll find out, you can find out all the details, uh, at, uh, at Axios. Yeah. Uh, and on they're on Sunday, Instagram in this, and, inst- yeah. and they're, they're on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Um, and in Sunday, the Sunday drive that you guys are, yeah. are doing. Okay. Very, go. very cool. You know, it's fun to, to find little places. Like I live um, in uh, old Irving park. I live at Irving and Pulaski oh. and there was a bar for many years uh, right down like a couple blocks away from me on, on, uh, on Irving called the independence uh, independence Inn. Oh, which was right across from independence park. You know, that makes sense. Yeah, Sure. Yeah. Uh, and right by the Cooney, the legendary Cooney funeral home. Yep. Uh, which is now not the Cooney Funeral Home anymore. Ooh, I'm, what is it? I was. It's, it's in there. It's in transition now. The sign says we will have a. You know, they 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 will have a name up there soon. But it's now it's a funeral home that it's like a generic funeral home right now. So wow. I, I, yeah, I don't know if they use generic embalming fluid or anything like that. I don't know how that works. But the bar Independence uh, Inn was like right across the street from you know uh, uh, on the same side of the street, but across the street from Cooney's. Yeah, and that wow. has now turned into a place called, I believe it's called Come and Play. Hmm. And it is kind of a cafe. And you, I think you need to check this out because it's kind of a cafe. And I think if you want to Google it, I think it's called Come and Play. It's on Irving Park Road. And my it would be about 3900 West. Oh, okay. On Irving Park Road. I think it's called Come and Play. And it is a place where you go. And you meet your meet people, and you sit in a booth or at a table, and they have tons of board games. So they provide like a bunch of games and board games and videos and and stuff like that. And if I'm not mistaken, Monica, I'm 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 almost positive about this. They serve Puerto Rican food. Oh, bonus! Yeah, there used to be a Puerto Rican um, uh, sort of like trailer uh, pop up restaurant in Independence Park. So maybe it's associated with. Oh, you know what? Maybe that's what because I know that I I didn't put that together. Um, but yeah, cause no, I know exactly. I know I've eaten at that place a million, <laughs> a million times, yeah, nice. uh, having lived in this neighborhood for like 12 years. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's called, I think it's called come and play, but if you Google it, um, it's like 3,900 West on Irving. Um, and I, you know, I looked, I, I was looking in there, they serve coffee, they serve drinks and stuff like that. And I believe the specialty on the menu is Puerto Rican food. Oh, okay. I got to check so, it out. And board games. So you, it's so yeah. like, you know, you want to go and do your, if you, do, if you do some slot car racing over at Run Rabbit Rub in North Park and then go over to uh, Independence Park 
here yeah, in Irving not Park. Far. And uh, play some board games and eat some Puerto Rican food. Very cool. Yay. All right. So the book uh, is from University Press, University of Illinois Press. Yep. Um, and it is called Made in Chicago, Stories Behind 30 Great Hometown Bites. And you and David Hammond put this together. Yep. It was and, a labor uh, of love. And I, I love how it turned out. Well, how did it uh, how did it all begin? I understand that like someone approached you, right, to, yeah. to 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 take all the stuff that you've been writing about for these years and kind of put it together in one book. Yeah, U of I Press started an imprint. They wanted to yeah. capture the food culture of the Midwest. And then I yeah. was having lunch one day with uh, food historian Bruce Craig, who's written a lot about hot dogs. And I was saying, you know, it's so interesting that there are all these places on the South Side that have invented these new dishes. And it's and I believe it's because um, there aren't a lot of chains on the South Side. There are a lot of independently owned sub places and, and, and other fast food places. So they're able to pivot. They're able to say, oh, this customer likes this, so I'm going to try this. And he's like, that would be a great book. You should do it. And I said, oh, I don't have time. You know, I'm, I'm a busy working mom. I am not taking on a book project. And he said, I think you should really do it. And so um, I ran into Dave Hammond, who's been a longtime food writer at New City yeah. and other yeah. places, Chowhounds yep. and LTH Forum. LTH and, Forum. I used to have him on all my show all the time for LTH Forum. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. great. He, yeah, knows, he's great. he really knows his food. Yep. And, and I said, you know, I was thinking about doing this book, but I just don't, I could not handle this whole thing myself. And I said, you wouldn't be interested in writing half of it, would you? And he said, yeah. I just happened to have some time. And and what do you know? Um, we threw together a book proposal. They said, yes, sirree, we'd love it. And um, then I was on the hook for 15 chapters. <laughs> um, but now, the good what, thing is I'd written a lot of them before. I'd, I'd researched a lot of these before. I was going to say, this is yeah. this is stuff that you've covered, or at least yeah. you, know, you got a head you got a head start on a lot of Yes, it, big head know. start. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I love, you know, I love the, I, uh, I, well, you guys sent me a digital copy of the book and I can't wait to actually get the book because it's, it's one of these books because I'm going to read what it says in the front of the book using the book. I love okay. this, by the way, because it says, we've written this book to serve everyone from the timid eater to the local food scholar and from lifelong Chicagoans to visitors discovering the city for the very first time. Um, our hope is that it makes... Most readers is that most readers will use this slim volume as a guidebook, one that can be kept in the glove compartment or bike satchel to serve as a uh, companion uh, around town. Uh, in each chapter, we've listed great spots where you can chow down on the dishes that we've researched here. No doubt some of the restaurants and street stands mentioned in this book will uh, change over time and switch locations uh, or simply go out of business. But you wanted to use this as a way for people to use the book and carry it around. That was, that was the the intention? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I told them, I said, you know, we can't make it big. We have to make it something that will fit in your bag or your glove compartment because I want people to feel whenever, wherever they are in Chicago, that they can just open it up and say, oh, there's a treasure somewhere around here and I'm going to find it and eat it and learn about it because I think it makes it much more delicious to know the the backstory and the history of what you're eating. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh and, and it's it, it, it and and also you do that a lot. You've done that a lot for years, you know. I mean, you've always you've been interested in the background and the history of of the stuff that you eat. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, whether it's in the food policy and like not really wanting to know what's in there or, you know, working at Curious City and having people say, hey, what's up with uh, this sandwich called the Big Baby? What's up with uh, steak and lemonade? You know, what are some foods invented in Chicago? And then right. I, I get the privilege of saying, well, let me go find out and let me find the people responsible for this and interview them and find out, you know, 
what went into inventing this dish and what, what was, uh, who, who were the people and stories and, you know, economic or social or yeah. geopolitical circumstances behind it? Can we, uh, before we dive into uh, some of the specific dishes and some of the stories and, and other things, can I just talk about how, uh, how cool the book looks? Um, I want to give I want I want you guys to give credit where where credit is due on the 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 visuals of it because it's a really beautiful bright looking book and the pictures of the food are fantastic um, and it's set up really nicely the fonts pop it's a it, it is a really beautifully designed even though I don't have the physical book I've looked at the digital part and I've I've flipped through the whole thing and it's it's a book that actually like to me it looks as though like it really pops the visuals are beautiful it really sucks you in and the photos of the food and the pictures of the people and you know the historical photos and stuff it's all visually really beautifully done well thank you yeah i mean the, the art directors at the university of illinois press did a great job we kind of steered them in a certain direction but it's almost like they took that candlelight pizza sign um, and sort of used the, the one on uh, Western yeah. and used yeah. it as a, yeah, yeah, yeah. as a prototype for how we're displaying this. Yeah, and we took most of the pictures. There was, you know, it, it's much more expensive to have a book with color yeah. photos, but they decided to go with it, and I'm glad because nothing looks worse than, a, yeah. like, you know, a hamburger that's in black and white. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, no, it looks beautiful. I just want you to know that, that it's Thanks. a very, and it's very inviting. It's very enticing. And, you know, when you look at it, you go, God damn, I want to eat one of those things. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you look at the picture and, and all that. Yeah. And, and it's very cool. Uh, now, you mentioned a little bit, uh, uh, a little bit briefly, why so many things in Chicago, some of these, you know, sort of classic food items and treats are invented, it, were, were from the South Side. What is it? I mean, you said, you know, briefly because there weren't a lot of chains out there and they had to do their own. But it's, it is kind of amazing when you look through this book or when you look in the history of, of Chicago-centric food, how much of it originated or really began on the South Side. Yeah, I mean, that was that was so striking. And I, and I only discovered it as I was doing this. And I said, okay, as I'm hearing one story after another, it was an entrepreneur on the South Side who said, you know what, I want to make something that'll really please my customers. I am not beholden to, um, you know, headquarters in Northbrook or in, you know, Dallas, Texas, I can pivot. And let's say someone, you know, comes into my place and says, I want a sandwich with three meats on it. And uh, I see that I have gyros and I have roast beef and I have corned beef and I have what's called gyro sauce on the south side. Um, <laughs> right. And I have some right. jardinier, jardinier or yeah. jardinera. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I'm going to put all these things together. Oh, I also have a big tortilla for the burritos I make. So I'm either going to put it in a hoagie roll or I'm going to wrap all of this in a tortilla and roll it up and deep fry it. And I'm going to call it a gym shoe. You know, that can't happen at McDonald's. <laughs> no, it can't. And it can only happen in, a, in like a place like that. And that's the gym yeah. shoe. And you do talk that's about the gym, gym shoe. shoe. Yeah. yeah. The gym shoe. God, that's amazing. Oh, it's all deep. And everything deep fried is good. My God. Oh, my gosh. It is such a flavor bomb. Yeah. But, you know, a, another one on the South Side is the sweet steak or the steak supreme, whatever you want to call it. I mean, and that, again, is taking things that you may already have because you're a Chicago fast food restaurant and putting them in putting them together in in a crowd pleasing fashion, um, so the sweet steak. I don't know if you've ever had it. I have. Is um, yeah, you chop up that ribeye, and you can hear it when you go to like home of the hoagie. They're still chopping up that ribeye. You can hear chuck 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 chuck. Yeah, yeah. And then you know you you griddle it, and then you put on American cheese, and then you uh, put this really sweet bright relish, the kind of thing you would have on a hot dog, and then you put it in a steamed hoagie roll. 
And then you um, you have uh, grilled onions in there, and then you put jardinera on top of that, <laughs> and then you soak the entire thing. I mean, soak in mild sauce. Yeah. Uh, and it takes like well, Dave just went to get one on the weekend. It took ninety minutes to get it. When I went to get it a couple of weeks ago, it took thirty minutes. But is anybody in the waiting room complaining? They're like, nope, no. worth it. Yeah, I agree. Where are some of the best places to get the sweet steak uh, that you get? You guys talk about in the book. Yeah, well, you know, it used to be this place called um, Taurus Flavors. For years, this guy, Ed yeah. Perkins, who started this in the, the late 60s, early 70s, he had he had 15 locations. I and mean, yep. he had an empire on the south side. Yep. And it, it dwindled, dwindled down by the 90s to one location. But one of his partners who also was among this group that owned the 15, he has he had Home of the Hoagies. Unfortunately, Taurus, as you, as you read in the book, you know had all these terrible things happen. First, the owner died, but then his kids took over. And then, um, like, uh, uh, they, they were discovered <laughs> by, by um, uh, the, uh, an article in The Reader. And then, and I say discovered in big quotes, and then um, this website, I can't remember what uh, this video website was, but they did a video and it got a million views Suddenly, they had these lines out the door yeah. coming from the north side as well. But yeah. then they had this tragedy happen where a car just like sort of like barreled into their restaurant. And um, and and people still wanted it so badly that they were selling them out the back door, even with their That's kitchen incredible. totally messed up. But then the health department's like, can't do that. Yeah, right. And um, <laughs> they've been struggling ever since to try to to reopen the, the, the only tourist. But in the meantime, Home of the Hoagie is uh, is what Ed Perkins Jr. calls the the only sanctified and blessed other locations serving the sweet steak. So yeah. you get that in Morgan Park at a at a hundred and a hundred. Hundred and eleventh. Yeah, um, I became familiar with that type of sandwich and the and the and that chain. Well, growing up, my you know I'm I'm a North Sider. I grew up right by mm-hmm. Wrigley Field. Uh, but we, as a childhood friends, my parents uh, had a family. We were really close with a family that lived in Stickney, and ah. uh, we spent a significant amount of time you know visiting them and then hanging out on the South Side. And I discovered a lot of stuff on the south side not just food but cultural stuff and different yeah. kinds of things on the south side that i wasn't really familiar with um and that being that that those you know that those sandwiches being one one of those things yeah and that's you know something i get into i, I don't want to like bring anybody down in the book but one of the things that that doing this research really showed was the huge cultural divide between the north and south side absolutely i mean like yeah. you, you say to people you know gym shoe or sweet steak um, on the north side, and a lot of them be like, what? Yep. I've never heard of that dish. Yep, yep. Well, it's interesting because I've been uh, recently hanging out a lot on the south side. I have a friend now that I've been hanging with, and she lives um, like at 73rd and South Shore, right on the lake. Ah. Um, and that's, you know, that's an area that I'm, I've, been a, I've been to, but I've never spent a significant amount of time, and I've spent more time around there, and there's amazing stuff on the south oh, side. Oh, yeah. And, and, uh, and every time I've, you know, you know, the Stickney area and that area when I was growing up, I've always had a great time. Now, and, and as you know, Monica, I'm a born and bred north sider. You know that. You yeah. are too, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, and so, like, I love the north side. I love it. But it's always, like, really so much fun to go to the south side uh, as a north sider and just experience just how – and it feels different. Like, it the does. south side just – it just feels – it's awesome. And it feels different. And it, you know, it has a whole different feel to it culturally. And, you know, the, the, the mix of people is awesome. And you find these things, these foods that you talk about that you can't really find on the north side. And and I and, and I hope, as as you do, when people who buy the book, I hope that they take their ass to the south side and get some of this stuff, you know? 
Absolutely. And and that's what we said. We hope that at the very least, this gets people to um, go explore their own city. Or if they're, hey, tourists, we'd love if you buy that too. Of course. <laughs> but, yeah, of course. But, but yeah. people here to explore your own city and understand sort of the the complex cultures um, that that's that are right here. I mean, you know, there's something called steak and lemonade um, on the south side, and there are steak and lemonade restaurants in Louisville, Kentucky, Chicago style steak and lemonade all over Indiana, yeah. and yet. You go to the north side, they're like, what? Steak yeah. and lemonade? Well, yeah. explain what, what steak and lemonade is. Now, this I have not had. I have not yes. had the steak and lemonade. So. so there are a ton of steak and lemonade restaurants all over the south side and south suburbs and, again, in you know, Indiana and Kentucky now. And I'd always pass by and say, what, what the heck is that? Yeah. And I, so I, I went to, like, one restaurant after another and said, where did this originate? And I was, you know, given all sorts of different stories. And I finally tracked it down to a Jordanian chef who had sold all of his Baba's steak and lemonade places and just was at his place in Joliet. And he told me the story of how he came here after living in Jordan and then working in Europe. And he he opened up a place in Country Club Hills and he was making something like a Philly cheesesteak, but also bringing in this Jordanian um, icy lemonade called Limonona um, and, and making it, but then changing it for Chicago tastes by putting tons of like snow cone syrup in it. Oh my and, God. And he said, <laughs> and, and the two most popular things were the steak and lemonade. So just like uh, father, son, mama, daddy, it's steak and lemonade. I put together. And, and I was like, Oh my gosh. And he's like, and then everybody copies me. Everyone goes little Baba. Oh, big Baba. And then, and then, and he said, uh, so I sold them. I sold them all, and now I'm in Joliet. <laughs> and he had a great story. He also told me he he invented the gym shoe. And I said, and, and I believed it until I found out that there were instances of gym shoes 10 years before he said he invented them. Yeah. But he had a great story uh, for how he invented the gym shoe. That's which, amazing. Again, I don't believe. He said, this guy was high on weed. He comes to my drive-thru, says, give me something with three meats. And he said, how about if I throw three meats on a gym shoe? Would you eat that? And he said, sure, man, whatever. Anyway, uh, so it's a great story, but uh, how does it explain the gym shoe before that? Yeah. So he was this super interesting guy, Haitham Alabadi. And um, oh, and he, he started this and then everybody copied the steak and lemonade. It's it's like it's basically a Philly cheesesteak with um with provolone, but uh but and, and then this really nice lemonade. Oh, and they also put Middle Eastern because it's it's all Egyptians, Jordanians, Palestinians who run these. They put some really nice kind of shawarma spices that are a little mm. spicy on there. So it is different from a Philly. Wow. That's good. what a great story. By the way, nice, nice, nice character work there. <laughs> Sorry, and I'm not yeah. making fun and, of anyone. Actually, I'm just no, trying to bring not. you height. Yeah. No, of course not. Of course yeah. not. And you and you were worried as to whether or not you could be an entertaining teacher. <laughs> Give me a break. Come on, that's great stuff. Now, did you did you have a lot of those great stories? And and um, you know, was it difficult? Did you have so many of them that you had to cut? You and David had to whittle it down. You know what I mean? Yeah, there were a few that we um, we didn't get to that we hoped to get to another time. Um, but yeah, we we wanted to stay at a nice clean number of 30 sure um and i think taffy grapes was the last one that we added we're like okay we'll do taffy grapes because that's uh, something you don't see outside yeah Chicago. now david david did that uh did yes that, did that yes. entry uh, for people who might not know what is a taffy what is a taffy grape well it's uh it's like a taffy apple but you take a grape and a little, you... gra- a little, a little green grape a little green grape yep Yep, and uh, you can you can dip it in taffy, or you can dip it in other sweet things. And there are even you know recipes online for them. And yeah. then you roll it in some peanuts, and um, 
and you can yeah you can dip it in frosting or in actual caramel and you get them at most you can get them at baba's famous steak and lemonade or harold's or of the course. cake factory yeah. uh, but they're like a little a sweet treat you know i have to say you know that a harold's fried chicken opened up uh, on a at a strip mall on irving near southport oh and it closed it was only huh. open for like 2 months and it already closed i didn't even wow. get a chance to go there cuz i go to the music box all the time yeah, uh, I see. And, and I take the and I take the Irving bus down there, and uh, and there's a strip mall with a Seven Eleven, right west, just west of Southport on Irving, and right next to a Domino's. It's like a it's like a Seven Eleven, and then the Domino's, and then this little storefront. And mm. about four months ago or so, Harold's opened up. A Harold's opened up, and I'm like, oh my god, fantastic! Harold's Chicken. And for some reason, I I, I wasn't able to go in, and then I just went past there, and it's empty now. Yeah, I wonder so, what happened. You know, I don't know. Most of them are independently owned. So yeah. even though it's a franchise, you know, you can get a lot of variation between them. Yeah. I was just like excited because, you know, you know, Harold's Chicken by the yeah. Irving and Southport. Come on. Yeah. And Yum. then they were gone. I hate that. I hate that that happened. That's, that's hmm. so. Now, you know, what's interesting is that you've got, you know, your classic stuff in here. Um, you know, you got your Maxwell Street, you know, you got the Chicago style hot dog. You got the street, the Maxwell Street Polish. Um, you know, uh, you got uh, deep the, dish pizza, deep pork dish chop pizza. sandwich, but yeah, yeah, all the regular stuff. But but as you mentioned, though, you put you have like uh, you know sections and in, in chapters that are dedicated completely to accoutrement. So like yeah. you mentioned, uh, you mentioned mild sauce, and you have yeah. a segment dedicated to that. You mentioned jardinera, and you yeah. have that too. Um, why did you? Because they're so specifically Chicago. Is that why you you included yeah. those? Yeah, because and and because they're on these Chicago foods, but also because you you leave Chicago and you ask for jardinera or jardinier, and people look <laughs> at you like you're crazy. Right. And 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 mild sauce, same thing. It's yeah. very very place specific. They are starting to travel into little other parts of the Midwest now, but yeah. these are things invented in Chicago only on Chicago sandwiches with pot belly going around the world. They had to start calling it hot peppers, but now they're, they're bringing jardinera around the world. Oh, oh, is that right? Yeah. Ah, yeah. I wasn't aware of that at pot bellies. by the way. And you do do a lot of specific Chicago stuff. I would like to say that I was, uh, I was drinking Malort before it was hip. I just want people <laughs> to know that. Um, I started drinking Malort in the early nineties. Wow. Um, when I moved to Andersonville and went to Simon's. When I went to Simon's yeah, Tavern, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, and I was like, "What is that?" And you know, uh, how can I've, I torture myself? Tonight? I've had I've had every kind of liquor you can imagine, Monica, yeah. uh, during my drinking days, and I yeah. was and there was dust on the bottle, and uh, the bartender yeah. was like, "Yeah, this is called Malort," and I'm like, "I don't what it, what is it? Is it a whiskey? Is it?" But he's like, and the guy behind the bar is like, "I don't know what the hell it is. It's been sitting here for a really long time." That's so funny. And and I so didn't you're try like, it. Give me some. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I am a recovering alcoholic, so of course I had gallons of this stuff, but. Yeah. I'm sitting in the bar and the owner comes in, Scott Martin, who still owns uh, Simon's and makes the best glug in the city uh, every year. Mm. He's the best glug maker. If you've never had glug from Simon's, um, uh, Monica, I, you really, you need to go to okay, Simon's okay. And, and get some glug. Um, but anyway, um, so he, he, I came in, you know, he came in, he's like, hi. And he was, cause, cause I was new to the neighborhood and stuff. He was always very approachable and and I had come in there a few times, and he kind of saw that I was kind of becoming a regular. And he's like, have you tried Malort? And I'm like, no. And so then he gave me the whole spiel, and I had it. And I had a shot of it. And the little, they used to have a little like uh, booklet attached by a rubber band on the neck of the bottle. And it explained Malort, kind of like what oh. it was. Jebson's Malort. And get Jebson's yeah. Malort, because there are other Malorts. Yeah. That's, <laughs> there are actually Malort knockoffs, if you can believe yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I know you know, but my God. But Cut anyway, and Malort. it said... 
It said the first time you try Malort, you'll hate it. The second time, uh, you still won't uh, like it. But the third time, we have you. And that's what it says. That's what it. So it even acknowledges Is it true? that. It's absolutely true. Oh. It's absolutely true. I had, the, the first night I had Malort, I tried the first shot. I'm like, that's the most disgusting shit I've ever tasted in my life. And then after a few more beers, I was like, I'll try it again. I tried it again. I was like, oh, my God, this is the most disgusting thing. And then at the end of the night, I did the third shot, and I'm like, that's the greatest. And Malort became my go-to shot wow. for, for years. I've drank – I've had gallons of Malort. Wow. And it's, a, it's amazing to me how this thing has taken off its hip now, like Malort is yeah. hip. It was like a, it was like a, it was a dusty bottle of garbage behind a bar that cost like a buck for a shot, and now hipsters are drinking it by the gallon. <laughs> yeah, now it's eight bucks a shot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, have you had Malort? I have had a sip of it, and I did not want any more. Yeah. Well, once you, have that thir- once you have that third yeah. shot, once you have that third <laughs> shot, Monica, you're on board. I guarantee. Yeah, it. put on so my you beer got- goggles. Part of the book start, part of the book is dedicated to Malort as well, and you do all the great stuff. Um, and then you mention places where you can get these classic dishes as well. Yeah. Now, um, I you know tavern style pizza, which was you, you you did that. Mm, yep. Yep. Uh, you, which I'm glad because like give David the deep dish because that's you know <laughs> that's the tourist crap as far as I'm concerned. Let David handle that. You got the good stuff. You got the real pizza, and I'm and I'm one of these people that is of the opinion that um, deep dish pizza is tourist it's not pizza i don't care every once in a while i'll have it whatever but chicago pizza if you want true chicago pizza it's the thin crust it's crispy and it's cut in squares it's cut in squares as god intended as far as i'm concerned (laughs) um and so do now do you how do you how do you feel about deep dish as opposed to uh thin crust and has that argument popped up a lot over the years it has. And, you know, we just had this thing um, with Axios Chicago uh, where we competed against the 25 other cities where Axios has uh, local newsletters uh, on who has the best pizza. Oh, my God. And there was a lot of trash talk. We I encouraged bet, trash talk. And I they bet. kept saying, oh, you guys, you know, you serve a lasagna as your pizza. You serve a casserole as your pizza. Yeah. And I I stayed cool. Justin, as you know, if you've ever played softball with them, <laughs> was like, oh, I'm going to get them. How dare yeah. they say this? <laughs> they don't know what the hell they're talking about I'm like justin calm down this is just trash talk right and um i so can see him too i'm picturing oh my him. gosh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i said stop reading the comments stop reading the slack right now and so and then of course and then when we when we when our city won he said and it will not be for, the, the trash talk will not be forgotten when i see you guys <laughs> So that's how we feel about being um, yeah. being characterized as deep yeah. dish only. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we 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 talk about it, you know. And you're right when when Aunt Mabel comes into town and your or your yeah. cousins from you know Cincinnati, you take them to Little yeah. Naughties and because exactly. that's what they ask for. Yeah. But yeah, when you're when you're ordering, when you're you know having a, a union meeting or a bowling party or a birthday party, it is tavern style Absolutely. all the way. Absolutely, and it's it's weird. I mean, obviously. You know, uh, I and, and like like a ton of Chicagoans, I have an emotional connection to it because that's the pizza I grew up eating when I was a kid. Yeah, and you always have that, and you know that. I mean, you grew up in the restaurant business, Monica. So, yeah. like you, you have an emotional attachment to the to the to the food that you ate when you were a kid, even if it was shitty food. And not that yeah. not that tavern cut pizza is shitty. In fact, I love it. But like you, like for instance, one of my favorite dishes that my mom made was made, you know, because we didn't have a lot of money, and it was, you know, a, you know, it, it involved. Cans of cream of mushroom, of Campbell's cream of mushroom soup. And to this day, I love cream of mushroom soup, Campbell's cream of mushroom soup. You know what I mean? 
And it's, yeah, and it's not cuisine, you know, no. or anything, but my mom would make pork chops and she would fry up some, uh, she would fry up some pork chops. She would do like a, you know, like a cream of mushroom sauce with some uh, green peppers and some onions. And it was my fate with mashed potatoes and canned corn. I can't was- believe you said that because I was just talking to my partner and we had pork chops and I said, let's, you know, I said, let's get some cream mushroom soup to put on it because my mom would always make that. He's like, ew, how can you oh. say that? Oh. And, and so it was the same thing. She didn't put green peppers in it. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, but you know what? Invite me over next time. If he doesn't want them, I'll there be over. There you go. Yeah, yeah, and no, it's my favorite thing. And again, well, I mean, it's a, it's a can of Campbell's cream. It of tastes good, soup. too, though. It, it really does God taste damn good. right it does. It yeah. tastes great. But yeah. I mean, but, but again, because it's part of my childhood, you have an attachment to it. It's a nostalgia, yeah. It is. And that's a big for part me, of food. That, for me, also adds to the fact that I'm much more loyal to tavern style than I am deep dish. Yeah, I mean, whenever we had our, you know, our church parties or birthday parties, it was always a big tavern-style pizza. Exactly, and it, it's a much more social pizza. And, and and it was originally, as I say in the book, it was, it was, it it originated at bars, which yep. is why it's called tavern-style. Although those who grew up in those bars, they said it was never called tavern; it was just called pizza. Right. Exactly. <laughs> if you live in a tavern, yep. if you live above a tavern, they just call it pizza. <laughs> exactly. And <laughs> and it was a salty thing that you could serve cheaply to your customers. And make them drink more beer. Salty. Yep. They can hold it in their hand. You don't have to give anybody plates or forks, maybe a napkin. They hold yep. it in their hand. You're this, this is so thin, it costs you maybe three bucks per pizza, and yep. you, you sell it, you're selling a crap load of beer. Yep. And, it's, and, I, and I, I mean, I love it. Now, wh- how do you feel, uh, Monica, because this is always a point of contention if we're going to, you know, as we are talking about this, how do you feel about the middle pieces without crust? Not not a big fan of them. As you know, uh, Roger uh, okay. Ebert and Gene Siskel famously ordered the father and son one that was made like the shape of a bagel so that you had crust on every one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I I like the middle pieces. Uh and which is which is advantageous because most people don't. Right. So if I'm if I am somewhere, like at a Super Bowl party or something and somebody busts out, you know, the tavern style pizza. I'm good, man. I'll go with the middle. I'm good with that. Yeah. I'm good with that. But there's um, no n- handle and it's not as I, crispy. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. I totally understand why people want I, lo- I mean, I love every part of a tavern-style pizza. Yeah. I like the little corners, the little triangles. Love them. Yeah. Love yeah. them. And I love the, you know, the big square uh, pieces with the crust on the end of it, and I love the middle with no crust. I love all of it. <laughs> Easy to please. Yeah, it, I, exactly. Look, I like, the, I like the pork chops with the cream of mushroom soup, so I'm fine. <laughs> right. yeah. I'm good. Now, now, what were the places that you chose uh, to, to plug a little bit or to showcase for the tavern-style pizza? Because you missed one. Oh, okay. Well, um, I have to look at the book, but I'm sure Pat's is one of them. Yes. You know what? You know what Pat's does? They roll out their their um, crust and then let it dry for I think three days, so it'll be Mm -hmm. extra crispy. Um, Pat's and Nick's, and 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 again, Vito's and Nick's. Again, talk South Side. Vito's and Nick's, arguably one of the best pizzas in in the in the world, as far as I'm concerned. And Pat's is great. And the other one, you have another one. uh, Well, let me see. The third here is Marie's. Okay, Marie's. I'll tell you, Marie's. Not the greatest pizza in the world. Well, you can get liquor while you're there. It's a bar. I, and and the, the atmosphere, they still have those yeah. old red boots. I mean, it yep. looks like you've walked into 1970s uh, Chicago. Yep. And and I love that you can watch it being made out there. Is yep. it the best tavern style? Should we maybe have left it out? Maybe. But go so. there for the but atmosphere. Go I, for I, the atmosphere. But what was the place that you think we should I lived have? In, I lived in Albany Park for for a bunch of years. And Golden Marie's Crust? And was, a, was a regular place. No, Marie's was a regular that we went okay. to. Yeah. And it was also, at that time, I was still a drinking man. It was also great because they had a lot of booze. Yeah. So I love that place. But for me, 
My favorite pizza in Chicago, my favorite thin crust pizza, is John's Pizzeria on Western. Oh. Um, 2100 Northwestern near Armitage on Western. Oh, right by, okay. right about uh, three and a half blocks north of Margie's. Wow, okay. Uh, on Western. John's Pizzeria. And again, you walk in there, like you were talking about Marie's, you walk in there and you feel like you're in a time warp. You walk in, the the tables all have the checkered tablecloth. There's yeah. a big map of Italy on the on the wall. They have a jukebox that only has like Frank Sinatra and other Italian songs on it. There's a counter that you can sit at if you want to, if you choose to sit at the counter. You can see the kitchen from through the back oh, wow. into the counter. Uh, and that's John's Pizzeria. Um, and, you know, I live way out of their delivery zone. Um, but uh, when, I, I, when I first started dating a girl who eventually became my wife uh, years ago, she lived in, you know, lived like a, a West Wicker Park kind of bucktown. And mm-hmm. we ordered we ordered from there all the time. Oh well, okay, I gotta J- try it. Gotta John's try it. Pizzeria twenty twenty like two thousand or twenty one hundred North on Western for me, best thin crust tavern style pizza. In what are your the- toppings? Uh, I you know I'm a simple kind of I either pepperoni or or sausage and I like mushroom. You know I don't go nuts. I don't like the ton of shit on my pizza. Mm-hmm. You know like somebody orders a Supreme with nine thousand things on it. It's fine. I'll eat it because it's pizza. Yeah, but keep it simple. I, I'm like a simple guy. I like that. I, I like sausage mushroom would be like kind of a go to if I did have one go to. Yeah. What about you? What uh, sausage, sausage. Yeah. Uh, but there's a there's party style that I've noticed, and it's um and it's what I what I had growing up. I don't particularly like it. It's it's onion green pepper sausage. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll eat that. Want the green pepper on there? Nah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm fine with it. Again, it's pizza. For Christ's sake, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But anyway, well, the book is the book is great. I love the way it's set up uh, each chapter. And uh, I mean, you cover so much, uh, so much stuff in here. You got you got the you got the gyros uh, and uh, you've got uh, the Italian beef. Uh, pizza got puff, mother in law, mild mother, sauce, rainbow cone, which I get every time I go to Navy Pier without, yep. without question. <laughs> and then uh, you have to then, second mortgage your house. Yeah, no, it tr- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like, not it cheap. Like, yeah. Looks like I, instead of taking the CTA, I'm walking home. Um, <laughs> but yeah, chicken Vesuvio you have in here. Um, the Chicago corn roll tamale, for God's sake. You got to yep. have that. Because, I mean, that's legendary. Uh, and so many of the other really great stuff. Um, and, um, and the book is, it's, it's, there are 30 items in it. Um, there are recipes as well. Where did you get the recipes from really quick? Um, so for like the Akutagawa, which is a sort of a Japanese omelet, I got from a family yeah. uh, of the guy who invented it, um, and David got them from the actual yeah. uh, uh, restaurateurs sometimes. We got them through a, a bunch of different ones. I um, I know I recipe tested mine. I hope all of them are recipe tested, but just, uh, you know, make any adjustments that you need to. Yeah. Um, but it was it was so much fun. Yeah. Well, listen, it's 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 great. I mean, I I've, I've read it digitally, and I can't wait to get my copy to just keep with me. And you I will, will do get exactly... your copy soon. I, and also you. for your listeners, um, if yeah. you order from the U of I site and you use the code S like Sam two three U I P like Peter, you can get thirty percent off your copy. Oh, okay, cool. All right. So for for my subscribers, S two three U I P. That's the code. Yep. Um, uh, and uh, and that and you'll get thirty percent off if you order from the University of Illinois Press. So it's S two three U I P. Get that code yep. in there and buy the book. The book is called Made in Chicago: Stories Behind Thirty Great Hometown Bites. 
by uh, Monica Eng and David Hammond. Monica, you rule. You know I love having you on the podcast. Oh, I love talking to you, Nick. And you're the best. And we'll have you on again uh, uh, soon. And good luck with the book and, uh, and, and, and your book tour. You were on with my friend Steve Cochran just uh, before, <laughs> before we got together. I was, and he sends his best. And, uh, and Tom Hush is the producer there. Tom uh, you know, appears on my podcast as a British yeah. man named Slap Slapley. We won't go into it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I love those guys, and I and I appear on Cochran Show uh, where you are right. You, in fact, you are at WLS. In the I'm green in the green room. room. Yeah, I'm in there. I'm in there every other Friday. So wow, it's one big family. <laughs> it is. It is. And thank you, Monica. You rule. And the book is called Made in Chicago: Stories Behind Thirty Great Hometown Bites. Go to University of Press, uh, University of Illinois Press, and uh, your code is S two three U I P thirty percent off. Monica, you rule. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks. Take okay. care. See you later. It's Monica Eng. She's awesome and the book is great Uh, i love talking to monica she's the best you know who else i love i love esmeralda leon so let's get to her esmeralda yeah esmeralda leon yeah esma i'm talking about that esma esmeralda leon yeah esmeralda yeah Right. You know what that means? It's time for Esmeralda Leon and say hello to Esmeralda. Hi, Esma. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. Are How you are in, you? Are you enjoying Mexico? Because that's where you are. Of course. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? <laughs> Through the power of time travel, we are talking to uh, Esmeralda while, in fact, she's on a beach. Mm-hmm. In, uh, in Can't Mexico. you hear those waves? I can hear them. I can. Oh, yes. They sound lovely. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> All Relaxing. right. I hope you're having a good time <laughs> in Mexico. Uh, it is a Friday. Um, but, uh, hey, time stands still when you're on vacation. Oh, of course. Until it's the last day and you have to leave. Then you're like, shit, I got to get back. Oh, yeah. man. And then, uh, then you hear this. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and Hi, Carrie. I love Nick's hey, show. Hey, by the way, Esmeralda, today. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Today is the day that Cocaine Bear opens. Nice. And I've seen We've it. We've all been waiting. I, I've seen it because I, I saw it on Wednesday. So and I, I'm sure it was watchable. You, I can't wait. I have to keep it a secret, though. Of course. <laughs> I can't. Right? I don't want to spoil it. You know, I saw it, was it two nights ago. Yeah, two nights. I saw it two nights ago, Esmeralda. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing it in, in two days. I'm, I saw it two nights ago. That's what was happening. But anyway, Cocaine Bear. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, yes. and I love Nick's show. Okay, Carrie. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I'm excited for her. I yeah, I, I haven't seen her in in anything lately, right? Uh, she was God. What the hell was the last movie she was? She in Antlers, I think, was the last movie she was in. Which oh was God, horror, yeah, horror I movie? remember seeing trailers for that. Um, not a great movie, huh. but there, but yeah. I will tell you, I will say this: um, unbelievable uh, creature transformation sequence in that movie. Hmm. Like old school, you know, the last episode we were talking about the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know the crazy practical makeup effects 
for the transformation scenes with all the goo and the you know the alien changing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This movie Antlers has a incredible scene with like no CGI. Like they 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 went they went out of their way and said, hey, all of this stuff we did, these are practical makeup effects that we did on set. Mm-hmm. And That's it was cool. it was awesome. I mean, it was the best part of the movie. Besides, of course, you know, Carrie Russell being the greatest. Right. But yeah, yes, that transformation scene in Antlers, it's not a terrible movie. It's an okay movie, but that transformation scene, the makeup effects, phenomenal. Hmm. So, yeah. Wow. But I don't know how much practical effects are in the... Oh, no, I do know, because I saw it already uh, in cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> they look so good, you didn't need, you couldn't tell. I keep Either getting... Way. Con- I get confused as to whether I've seen it or not, but I've seen it. I've seen it already. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, anyway, but it opens today. Cocaine Bear is in theaters today. So there's, Lovely. you know, our lives have been uh, leading up to this moment. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> Why so were we all go. born? Just or to see Cocaine, cocaine bear. bear. And it's, it's Ray Leona's <laughs> last movie, too. And yeah. if I, if I remember, Oh, that's right. Oh. If I remember correctly, he was very good in it, if I remember from two nights ago. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Got a couple of Kit Kats to taste. I have one with has a, yeah. a, a yoga woman on it. Mm, I have one with a mountain. You have a mountain. I have a yoga woman. And another orange one that is uh, melted, melted caramel. Oh, I have a coffee one. So, uh, you've or, got well, a, it says for a coffee break. Okay, I've got a I've got a yoga woman stretching, and you've got mm. a mountain, and I've got creamy oh, caramel, no. and you've got coffee. Yes. All right. Very cool. Hold on, I've dropped it. What happened? <laughs> you dropped. Don't to, let yeah, it wash away it. on the beach. Don't let it wash away. I know. <laughs> you know oh. Don't. <laughs> Can't let the crabs grab it. Don't lose it in the sand, Esmeralda, while you're there. Oh, no. Ooh, all right. Let me dust it off. You got it? Here. You okay? Yeah. Yeah, it's all still right. good. Still right. good. Didn't spill any Corona on it, did you? You're all right? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> well, that's what you did. I mean, that's just breakfast. Right. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, of the, of, I, I preferred when I was a drinking man. I, not, a, mm-hmm. not a big Corona guy. Never liked Corona very much. I preferred mm. I preferred Modelo if I was going to have the uh, yeah the, the Mexican beer Modelo to me was a better tasting uh, yeah Corona's tasting. not not a favorite yeah. and then you got yeah. <laughs> but you know sometimes so, yeah. that's all they have okay that's it that's true <laughs> all right well you're okay you got your you from the sand you picked it up from the sand and you're all set to have yes. it a little bit later on all right cool uh, okay the magic megaphone which I always uh, uh, want people to be a part of if you. Have a message for me to say into the magic megaphone for everybody to hear. You can leave it via voicemail, 773-417-6948, or leave me an email with whatever you want me to say into the megaphone, and it is uh, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Are you ready for today's magic megaphone message? Yes. Okay. Uh, this was from Thomas. Thomas is in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Maybe he lives with my That's ex-wife. That's fun. You think he, maybe he's with my ex-wife, <laughs> you think? <laughs> Uh, maybe. I mean, That's I don't know good. her, so doesn't say where in more in, in Oregon. But if it's Medford, he might be living with my ex-wife. Mm. That's where my ex-wife lives is in Medford, Oregon. So maybe uh, there you go. Maybe this is like a secret, uh, like her new her new boyfriend or something. So, <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, so Thomas uh, wanted me to say this, and then I guess there's an explanation for it. It's very brief and very weird. It's a okay. very weird. It's a it, Thomas is a weird dude. He's probably with my ex-wife. If he's a weird dude, <laughs> if he's a weird dude, a weirdo from Oregon, there's a real good chance he's probably with my ex-wife. 
Because yeah. she's a she's oh. a weirdo in oh. Oregon. So hmm. Yeah. All right. So we'll see. Anyway, Esmeralda, you ready to hear? <laughs> yes. I, okay. I can't build this up anymore. Thomas in Oregon wanted this. It's Friday. F R Y Friday. It's Friday. F R Y Friday. It's so, Friday. F R Y. So Friday. Yeah. It's Friday. So. It's all right, all right, all right. <laughs> um, so it's Friday, F R Y, spelled F R Y. Right. So like French Friday. Yes, because he likes French fries. Hmm. Um, and he says Friday is always. He never spells it with an I. Oh. <laughs> he is crazy. Yeah, but I think it. I think I, he doesn't mention it in the email. Thomas doesn't because he was probably busy mm-hmm. with my ex-wife. Uh, but um, <laughs> but there's a new Burger King commercial. Have you seen okay. the Burger King commercial? Um, I don't think I have. It's not. It's not necessarily. It's been around for a couple of months, but it's newer. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a bunch of people in 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 uh, I think it's it is it is Burger King it is Burger King a uh, bunch of people working in Burger King people who work in Burger King talking about this guy who loves the fries so much at Burger King that every day is Friday mm. F R Y mm-hmm. day so if it's Monday and like there's a part where he's talking to a girl they're sitting in in booths in the lobby of the of the Burger King in their right. u- uniforms and everything. And he's like, what about Monday? And she says, that's Friday. And he goes, what about Tuesday? That's Friday. What about Wednesday? That's Friday. <laughs> and he goes on. And he goes, and Friday? And she says, yeah, that's Friday, too. He's like, yeah, that was the easy one, though. Okay. So this guy <laughs> goes, and at one point, he's in the back by the grill, and they have a calendar on the wall, and he's mm-hmm. changing all the days. Oh, wow. To, he's writing fry, F-R-Y over all of the days. Instead of Mun, mm-hmm. he changes it to Fry and so on. So I think oh. maybe Thomas from Oregon was inspired by the Burger King commercial. Maybe he started it. Maybe he did. But maybe he, they took the idea from him. They probably did, and that's probably why he's so angry. But this is what he wanted me to yeah. say. So. It's Friday. F-R-Y. Friday. So that's what he wanted me to say. <laughs> so I don't know. Good to so know. It's Good your, to know. If you're a weirdo and you're with my ex-wife, you can leave a voicemail. Uh, <laughs> or not. Or, or, or Even email, if you're not. Or not. Yeah, if you're not. Um, uh, NickDPodcast at gmail.com. So, anyway. All right. So, that's our uh, magic megaphone. And they mm. continue to come in. I don't, I don't Good. know. I, I'm I, glad. I, what is it about this segment that you like <laughs> so much? Well, one, I just like hearing what people want you to say. Yeah. Um. They're, they've been quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I find it interesting. Owen's taken a, a couple people have taken advantage of telling someone something. Yeah, we have had, not too many. We have had a, a, like a message to a particular person. We've had a few mm-hmm. of those. I'm surprised we haven't had an. Uh, I, I'm I'm shocked we haven't had a marriage proposal yet. <laughs> oh Lord, I feel bad for whoever. Yeah. Is on the receiving end. Right. That's my Jagoff button. Mm. Oh, boy. Yeah, so there you go. That's my Jagoff <laughs> button. It's a medical fact. If yins are a Jagoff, it's genetic. There you go. 
That's my Jagoff button. I can press that. It's and... a medical fact. Yep, right. it's a medical fact. If Yins is a Jagoff, it's genetic. That's mm. of, uh, Yins. That's a uh, Pittsburghish mm-hmm. phrase. Because mm-hmm. Jagoff, uh, evidently, con- I didn't really realize this till a few years ago that Jagoff is actually a Pittsburgh term. I always thought oh. it was. A sh- I always uh-huh. thought it was. A sh- it was a Chicago term. Always thought oh. it was Chicago. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, when are we going to Pittsburgh? You know. <laughs> no, but I had friends who from Pittsburgh, and I was like, wait a minute, and then and then they were like, yeah, idiot, it's from Pittsburgh. But we say it so much <laughs> in Chicago, it's so yeah. now identified with Chicago, and also, you know, I mean, I just thought because I had heard it my whole life, and I remember saying Jagoff in different parts of the country, and people were like, what? Like, what is that? Like Jagoff, and I've heard, you know, I've said Jagoff to people who are not from Chicago, and they're like, huh? But people from Chicago know what it is. Yeah. Um, but it's a Pittsburgh mm. thing. So, but we've 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 made it better. I think we've we've we, I there think you we've, go. We've made Jagoff better. We've taken Jagoff from Pittsburgh. We've made it our own, and we've improved upon it. Really? So, wow. Yeah. And also, it's in like <laughs> every every play that David Mamet writes, he puts it in. And so that's another reason why I thought it was Chicago, because Mammoth is Chicago. And I was like, yeah, it's got to be a Chicago word if Mammoth puts it in every one of his plays. You know, is he from Pittsburgh? He's not. He's from Chicago. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe he is and he just won't tell anyone. I guess. That. I guess. He was like, nope, I'm not from Pittsburgh. But and then know, this is a way of like telling people he's from Pittsburgh. Ah, uh, it's a secret. It's a it's a megaphone <laughs> it's message. A it could be it's a it megaphone is. message. That's what it is. Maybe David Mamet can give us a megaphone message. We're national treasuring it, and we're finding the secret, <laughs> <That's what laughs> which is, is that David Mamet is actually from Pittsburgh. <laughs> That's the next Nicolas Cage movie. Is it? The yeah. <laughs> Do the do the whole research on uh, the fact the big mystery is on the back of the Declaration of Independence it says that David Mamet is from Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyway, oh, really? yeah, yeah, man. yeah, 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 man. So anyway, all right. Inventions, Esmeralda. Mm-hmm. I found this article that I thought was kind of fun. The last decade, we've had some inventions that have actually kind of changed the world. Yeah. Have you, take, have you taken yeah. a look at this? Uh, yeah. What do you, what do you uh, think? Gone the, through it, yeah. The first one here that I, that I think is actually a good one that makes sense. These are recent inventions, and everybody's inventing everything. New inventions are popping up every 15 minutes. Right? I mean, they're Shark Tank. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, well, most, I mean, well, honestly, it's funny how like half of those things, well, some are inventions. What are, some no, are I, like, I, I don't watch store, you know, things that they come up with. I don't watch but Shark like Tank. some isn't of them are Mark really? Cuban. Isn't Mark Cuban on, on Shark he Tank? He is. Yes. Okay. I, now, so what's the idea? Someone comes in with an idea and pitches at three Jagoffs who have money. Right. And then okay. they, they're like, we'll give you so much percentage of our company for this much money and then they tell them what it is what they want to do with the money what what idea they have be it an invention or like a a a store of some kind business bakery stuff like that yeah business um 
and so it's not always just inventions. Sometimes, and if it's, sometimes okay, it's people. It's business ideas. It's pit, you're pitching at three rich. There you go. Offs. Yes, it, Bus- yeah. business ideas. All okay. I could think of was like stores. People have stores. <laughs> Nothing um, but stores. Nothing but stores. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, and Mark Cuban <laughs> is one of the Jagoffs, and then who are how many other Jagoffs are there? Are there three Jagoffs? Um, oh no, there's more than that. Oh, okay. There's so there's those more than two ladies. Okay. And then that Mister Wonderful guy. I don't know. Two, I don't. I don't watch the show. Four, so. five. There's at least five. Oh, there's five at least five six. Jagoffs on the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. And then they'll okay. have like an extra one. A bonus like Jagoff. Else. You get a bonus Jagoff. Yeah, they're like. <laughs> They're like other people with a lot of money. All right. <laughs> so it's like a bunch of rich jagoffs, basically, and you have to go yeah. in and yeah. pitch. All right. Yep. And then if you if, exactly. and then uh, if they don't like it, they just say, "Get the fuck out of my house." Is that what? I they mean, do? yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and pretty so what? Much. So, now, do you know? Have they had? I mean, I you know, I, I'm I, obviously you're not an expert on the show, but do you know if they've had? Has anyone? Pitched something to Shark Tank and then became incredibly successful with the proposal um, or the business or anything. Yeah, like that? well, you know which one um, is that sponge? That smiley face sponge. The smiley um, face sponge. Oh, what's it called? Uh, the the whatever daddy isn't it like sponge daddy or <laughs> sponge? Um, yeah, it's the sponge that's in the shape of. It's usually yellow. It comes in other colors, but it's usually the the original was yellow, and then it's got a smiley face cut into it. And so the the big thing with that is one, it looks nice. It's like oh look at the little smiley face. But then also you can like clean things within the holes, you know. But the 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 big thing about it is like if you put it under cold water, it stays fairly um, rough. And if you put it in warm or hot water, it gets a little softer. And it doesn't scratch anything, or oh, um, I I've n- I don't know. Man, what is it? I don't know what it, I don't know what that is. Uh-huh. I have no idea. Is it spo- Does he look like SpongeBob SquarePants? Does he have no? The he's same- circular. Oh, he's Scrub circular. Daddy. Scrub, Scrub Daddy. Daddy. And so this was presented to the Jagoffs on uh, Shark Tank mm-hmm. Village, and then he now it's successful. It's real success. I mean, yeah, they have a bunch of scrub daddies really um and they're literally just i mean the big thing is that i think because when it's in cold water it's still like scrubby like really scrubby and then if you put it in the warm it gets softer so then you you know it's two products in one and then like it's it doesn't get like as stinky as quickly as some and when you doesn't scratch when you said like uh you know that thing like that spongy thing you know what the first thing i thought of was that vince Offer Jagoff uh, with the uh, oh the Sham Wow yeah that's the first that's the <laughs> that's what I thought of I thought it was Sham Wow I thought Vince Offer walked in to the rich Jagoff and said I got an idea no. you're, you're gonna love my nuts you're gonna love my nuts uh, uh, no no it's not that no. it's a smiling but they made sponge. they made yeah they've made a whole lot of money they've yeah so they've they've done really sponge, well with that damn sponge, thing sponge dude has made a lot of a lot of money yeah okay all right yeah because well, they're everywhere now like if you just go to the store you you'll see the scrub daddies okay in the cleaning aisle all right. um i guess i don't go down the cleaning aisle enough <laughs> clearly no, apparently you do you do not i guess i don't go to the cleaning aisle enough sponge daddy 
Okay. Scrub Daddy. Scrub Daddy. Okay, Scrub Daddy. Yes. All right. All right. I'll have to look for that. Well, that was a successful invention right there. And we have mm-hmm. other ones. Now, the first one that's on here, and these are uh, inventions that have changed the world in just the, the last decade or so. And uh, the first one that they mentioned here is the video doorbell. Um, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's whoever. Oh, by the way, I just noticed this. Hmm. Jamie Siminoff went on, t- on the TV show oh. Shark Tank. See, look at that. I mean, because where else are you going to go? It was called the doorbot. <laughs> There's nowhere else to go, you know what I mean? Like, who uh, else is going to yeah. give you money? <laughs> so, but, but a lot of people have the video doorbell now. Um, oh, yeah. Tons and tons of people. And I, you know what I like? I like when they show uh, videos on, like, uh, ridiculousness of people coming up to, and doing stupid shit in front of the doorbell, mm-hmm. not, knowing, not mm-hmm. knowing that they're going to be recorded. <laughs> yeah. That stuff cracks me up. Uh, yeah. I wish, I wish I could. I mean, I could have one. Um, I just want to know, like, who's, I literally want it for what it is. I just want to know who's at the door so I don't open it. Oh, I never, (laughs) I never open my door. I never open my door. I never know. I'm, I'm the bad neighbor that, um, uh, like when the Amazon people come, they'll just buzz everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Cause you know, if the person's not home, they're not going to not take it back. Yeah. But I never opened there because I'm like, I didn't get anything delivered. No, I never, I, I don't, I don't, I don't let anybody in unless I'm expecting someone. If I ordered food or something. Right. Or if I'm expecting someone, I don't answer my exactly. door. I don't I'm answer the, my yeah, door. but I'm the and, terrible neighbor that won't accept the package. I don't blame you. Because you never know. No, I, I don't, you know, you're not a terrible neighbor. You're a good neighbor. Well, you're, yeah, you, but you then could, the, you they could don't be, get their package or whatever. Well, fuck it. You know, uh, uh, you, you know. They, like here's the thing, you let some jag off in your building if you if you just mm-hmm. uh, in, indiscriminately buzz somebody in. If I I never do that. If someone, but well, first of all, my doorbell doesn't work. Let me just say that right now. <laughs> so when I order when I order food or anything, mm-hmm. I tell them to call me on my phone. Right. Yeah. So they call me on my phone if I'm ordering just food. Throw it at my door. Call me on my phone <laughs> and I will buzz you into the building. Just stand at the front and I'll buzz mm-hmm. you in. That's it. If if. Uh, so if someone's ringing my doorbell and I'm not expecting them, I'm not going to answer because I don't hear it because my doorbell doesn't work. And I, honest to God, I haven't, my doorbell's been broken for probably eight years. Wow. I'm not kidding. And I've never even attempted to fix it or have my landlord fix it or anything. That's and what I hated about my last place. Was what? That I didn't have a buzzer. <laughs> that your doorbell didn't work? Yeah. Well, because then, you know, like food and stuff. And I lived on the first floor and it was just like, oh. If yeah. only this damn buzzer would work. Yeah, I, it, I, because I don't like. I don't have. If people come over to my house, it, I, which doesn't happen very often, mm-hmm. if they do, I know about it, and I'm like, call me when you're out front or text me. Whenever I have people over, just text me. Hey, I'll be there in two minutes, and I'll be ready. Yeah. Um, but if someone, you know, like, so no one's gonna ring my bell, uh, to get in anyway. And if someone knocks on my door, you bet your ass I'm not answering it. I'm not. I'm not answering it. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't fuck? want people I mean, coming to my house. No, I don't know any of my neighbors. Most of, most of my neighbors are jagoffs. I think they're just a weird weirdo. I have a bunch of weirdos living in this building. I yeah. don't want to answer the door if it's one of them because they're fucking weird. Um, you know, if it's like you know, like a, you know, like I, if you know, like if I don't have an appointment with like a gas guy or any of these, I'm not going to open up the fucking door for anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't open no. the door for anybody. 
I do not. Completely. Someone knocks on my door. They're in the building. I don't want them in my... I'm not going to open the door. Are you kidding me? No, you're completely right. So, um, but, you know, I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, the camera. I could, could to see who is outside. I think that's a great invention. Yeah. No, completely. So, But again, to not open the door. <laughs> right. I'm not going to open it. Again, you're not going to get in. It's just it would be nice to see who... <laughs> again, the so these inventions are fantastic. Like the the ring, uh, the doorbell, ring doorbell, um, caller ID. Yeah. Because then you can see and then not answer it. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that's, I mean, you, everybody does that. That was truly why I'm I'm glad for caller ID. Well, I mean, yeah. So then I don't ID, answer my phone because I'm like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. If I, if I get a phone call or a text from someone and, uh, and it's, and it's, and it's a phone number. Yeah, I don't even answer it. I'm like, no, it's fantastic. I love it. No, thank you, inventors. Yeah, no, I. That's that's the. I mean, basically, I guess what we're what we've we've been discussing here over the past five minutes is that you and I are very antisocial. Yeah, I don't want to talk to people. Gross. I don't exactly. I don't want to be. If if, if I know you're coming to my house, that's one thing. Like if right. I know if I and like packages that are coming to the house, um, mm-hmm. if they yeah. can't get in, they'll leave a notice outside. You know, they'll leave us like if it's right. UPS, they'll leave a notice. And then you sign that and say here, you know, you know, yeah, leave it here or leave it outside or whatever. I think they barely. I mean, honestly, they barely do that anymore. They just leave it. They'll leave yeah. it at your door. And it's well, like, they take oh. a picture. They take the picture now. Like if, you, you know, right. like if, if it's like, like, so, you know, it's there, which is cool. Actually, there's another invention. Is that like you know if you order it like on Amazon or something, they'll say, "Hey, it's here," and they take a picture of it, so your phone goes, "Oh, look, it's here," so you know you can go downstairs and get it. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like that whole like, the whole thing about but if you're not home, yeah, then your your package is just sitting outside. It'll the sit door. there, and then like you get home, you know somebody ripped it off. At least it came. Then right. You, can, you know what I mean? True. Like, well, True. So you don't. You, so you don't. You, so you don't write to Amazon. I go, "Hey, fuckers, why didn't you deliver my package?" And they'll go, "Well, we sent you a picture. Someone stole it." Yeah. So huh. I have I have like I have a tendency to uh like my building is not really good for packages cuz I said like I've got weirdos living in my building. And yeah. um in fact, uh one of my one of the things that I have uh in my li- in my dining room here where I do where I record mm-hmm. is I have a very big sound panel on my dining room table to eat up some of the bouncing sound. Right. You know how you know you know what I'm talking about. That's why you're in a closet. Mm-hmm. And you have mm-hmm. padding, right? You have stuff up so that it w- so yeah. because so you want it to sound the best you could. So I mean, uh, uh, I have an echo on this anyway. I, but I have a very large panel, like a like a big, thick, almost styrofoam type panel mm-hmm. that's right in front of me, right behind my laptop, and in front of me. So it's like a wall, so that the sound can bounce off and come back. Yeah. Well, Ed, the guy who runs Radio Misfits, was like, "I'm going to order this for you because." You know, it'll improve the sound where you record. And I'm like, all right. So he ordered it for me, and someone stole it from my lobby. <laughs> it's a big, it, it, it's a big box. It's probably, you know, it's this big square of like thick, sort of a little bit heavier than styrofoam, and it's mm-hmm. gray. So it's a big scra- It's a big gray square uh, that's probably two feet by two feet. You know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and someone took it. It was in. <laughs> someone in I my, mean, maybe they needed it. it. They uh, 
it solved one of their sound issues. Right. <laughs> like, so perfect. now, whenever you know there's like a piece of equipment or some other stuff that you know that Radio Misfits wants to get for me or you know that mm-hmm. I request, Ed gets it delivered to his place and I go pick it up. <laughs> I go pick yeah. it up from yeah. his place because someone took a large panel of styrofoam <laughs> from my lobby and stole it. I don't know who. This is why I don't let anybody in my fucking apartment, Esmeralda, because people yeah. are stealing large yeah, squares yeah. of styrofoam. That, these are the kind of Completely. people that I have that I live with in the building. <laughs> Ridiculous. But anyway, but I whenever I order stuff that's going to be delivered, and I don't very often because I, mm-hmm. I don't buy a lot of stuff because I'm broke. But when I do, I have it delivered to my parents' place because my parents are my mom is like the mayor of the building. Oh, there like, you go. So pack, yeah, no she, one's going to cross the mayor. They live in the garden apartment right next to the lobby. So anything that happens, my parents hear it. You know what I mean? Like they, oh. Right. And they can see it. They can see because the windows are right there. So when anybody walks in, like if someone from Amazon or UPS or the mailman comes, my mom sees it. I mean, she's on patrol all the time, 24-7. My mom. Mm-hmm. She's, she's the mayor of the building. So whenever there's something that's being delivered, nobody in the building is going to steal it. So I have my stuff delivered to their house because, you know, people will steal anything mm-hmm. yeah. in my in my building. It was weird, too, because, you know, like um, just over the uh, the end of the year in November, that's when the critics, us critics get screeners sent to us. So we get DVDs of movies at the end of the year, movies that are qualifying for awards and best of year of the year and stuff. So, like, I have, like, every movie that came out last year, all the big movies, I've got them all on DVD here. I have stacks of them. And starting at the beginning of November through the end of, the, of each year, I get, like, like, 100 DVDs. And they get mailed, and they used to get mailed to GN, you know, and mm-hmm. I would bring them home. Yeah. But now they get mailed here to my house. And sometimes they send swag. Like, Netflix sends swag. Ooh. And, like, I've got... Uh, Oh, I've got like a white, there's a, a, a big white noise uh, making of coffee table book that I have and, a white, and white noise, part of white noise takes place at an A&P. Mm-hmm. So they sent me a sweatshirt, an A&P sweatshirt, so it looks like I work at A&P. I have an A&P. So they send out <laughs> swag. Yeah. Um, and nobody stole that, but the big cardboard <laughs> thing. I had one they thing. They had needs. They, they I had, don't need I, your sweatshirt. They, I got, <laughs> I got a, a gi- styrofoam wall. <laughs> yeah, they need a styrofoam wall. I got a giant box that was sitting in the lobby. I went to, a, I remember, I went to a screening, and I went to two movies. So I was out of the house. I was out of the apartment for like seven hours, you know, with trip there, trip back. And so for about six of those hours, in my lobby sat a big box that said, with the logo and the, the character, Guillermo del Toro's, uh, del Toro's Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. Now, who wouldn't want to steal that? Like, I'd steal that. Clearly no one. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, nobody I mean, wanted like, it. But a big square piece of styrofoam they steal. But Guillermo del Toro's <laughs> Pinocchio, like, ah. fuck that. I don't need that. I, why, why don't you have another square of, of styrofoam? I'd rather steal that. See, that's how <laughs> stupid the people in my building are. Oh, God. So, and then, or, the st- or they don't trust it anymore. Yeah, it's a real, that that. Be a they're like, nah. <laughs> it's probably just another just styrofoam something. I never, <laughs> I never thought of that. That's true, Esmeralda. It's probably like, well, shit, I'm not going to steal from this guy. It's probably styrofoam. That's... 
Like, what kind of weirdo? <laughs> oh my god, because that's so funny. Because all of the 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 screeners, the DVDs, and the swag that I got came after the incident mm-hmm. with the with the styrofoam panel. So yeah, that might be might be it. <laughs> they might actually be like, oh no, I'm gonna. It might sell. It might say Pinocchio on there, but there's nothing but styrofoam right? in there. That's oh nothing god. but a that's a box of styrofoam. I'm not stealing that again. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, God. So, anyway. All right. Well, the doorbell. The doorbell camera. Great thing. Yes. Especially for antisocial people like you and me as well. Mm-hmm. How about the Apple iPad, it says here? Um. Yeah. I mean, that's great. <laughs> I, don't I, have, don't have one, I don't have one. So. I don't have one. I do have a... I, I have a, uh, a tablet. Um, I haven't used it in a long time. Since I started doing the podcast, I have a laptop here now, so I use that. Right. Um, but I don't use the tablet anymore. Um, yeah, I don't. I've never used it. I mean, I like them. I like it. Yeah. It's neat. The, the Apple <laughs> iPad. What is the snoo? Uh, I, well, I have no children, okay. but um, it's apparently for babies to sleep better. So it's what? supposed to mimic the sound uh, that the baby hears in a womb. So that's supposed to help them sleep and like oh. it, it calms them. Okay. So, right. yeah. The and it's supposed to make smart, it, like call, moves them and stuff. So. Oh, it does. It kind of moves. It rocks them and it makes it sound like mm-hmm. they're in the womb. Okay, right. And I they don't know they... any better. They're babies. So <laughs> <laughs> little bastards. So the Snoo Smart Sleeper. By the way, as we go through uh, through these, which I'm kind of amazed that this is on that list. Like there wasn't anything else that was amazing invented. <laughs> well i, I mean, guess maybe that's it a made an impact on I mean, yeah i mean for people who try to sleep i mean when you got that baby you know that yeah. fir- those those first like that first year when you have a kid you sleep for six minutes a night you know right oh and then apparently it's also it's uh supposedly supposed to prevent infants from rolling over accidentally when they're sleeping oh. So it's probably uh, well, it's a very successful saving them. So that's the oh well, just little shit like saving babies. Okay, I got you. <laughs> Saves them or something. I Fuck them. Yeah, all right. <laughs> they have to grow up to learn that this world sucks too. Uh, the snoo. By the way, if you've had any experience with any of these uh, inventions that we mentioned, if you have a doorbell video doorbell story or an iPad story or uh, an uh, uh, or a snoo story. You can leave them with us. A snoo story. The, the Nick D podcast. Sounds very signed, uh, Dr. Seuss. Do you have a uh, snoo story? A snoo story in all its glory. I don't know. Uh, 773-417-6948 if you have any uh, any of those. What, what, and now what about the, oh, this is a big one, facial recognition technology. Now, do you have that on your phone? Uh, no. Neither do I. I, I think I have it. But I don't use it. Like I don't use fingerprint. I don't use any of that stuff. It weirds me out. Yeah, I have. I know I have fingerprint on my phone. I'm not sure if I have the facial recognition. Yeah, I know I have. I'm, the fingerprint I'm assuming it does. I don't know though. Yeah, it probably does. Um, I barely. Actually, I barely four, just four, four years old. So it might oh, okay, not. yeah, mine's pretty old too. Um, I barely just got. Uh, what's it called when you got a, the 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 code on the front? Your pin. Yeah. Yeah. I just kept it off. <laughs> Me too. I'm like, there's nothing in here that anybody wants. Yeah, I, I you know, I just, I, I, I recently, probably six months ago, I put the pin on on, on my uh, on my phone. Yeah. Um. So like, yeah. Good luck taking something from my bank account. <laughs> there's not much there. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? I mean, that'll be the equivalent of stealing styrofoam from the hallway. <laughs> yeah. 
You're not going to get and anything. Also, from like us. you can turn <laughs> these things off so quickly nowadays. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like you can go into your bank and be like, "Oh, it's stolen, whatever," and then they change yeah. it. So, so I'm I'm not really worried about facial recognition technology anything. conceived by Woody Bledsoe, Helen Chan Wolf, and Charles Bisson in the early 1960s. Mm. Facial oh, recognition wow. technology has exploded over the last decade. Uh, the uh, Amazon recognition software was introduced in 2016. Facial recognition adds another layer of biometric security, which was popularized by the Apple iPhone 10. So, hmm. I don't have that. I, yeah. do have the th- I do have the thumbprint thing, and I don't use that. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, facial recognition stuff is pretty uh, scary. It's very... What if uh, you just make a face, though? Can you go, can you like... I think so, yeah. Can you? Actually, yes, you can. <laughs> but like a weird thing. Like you don't like have you... to. Yeah, like you don't have to be. I mean, the, the the phone doesn't know who you are until you you set it up. So if you make that face, I mean, the phone's not going to be like, mm, that's not a real face. Like, that's your face. No, I know. But if you but if you make if let's say you make that face, then you have to make that face every time. Right. Yes. So like if you blow up your cheeks, like, you know, like big, mm-hmm. that's yeah. the face you have to make exactly. in order. Okay. I mean, yeah, it would be a good way to stop people from doing that. But also, it doesn't matter unless there's a twin who wants to steal your phone. Right. Uh Because the phone won't recognize them. That's right. But that stuff is, it's a little, it's a little too like. Yeah, it's weird. It's a little, you know, I know what you mean. It's a little too creepy. It is. What's that movie with Tom Cruise? Collateral? Is that Collateral Damage? No, uh, a Minority Report. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. too much. No, thank yeah. you. That we're we're very very minority report ish nowadays. Like mm-hmm. that movie came out in two thousand two. Except and we don't have people in in goo. Predicting we don't have things. yeah yeah we don't have precogs. There aren't people laying in. I goo. just love this whole idea that they're just like yeah these people in this goo are, are uh, predicting things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can see crimes before they happen. I I love Lord. that movie. I love that movie. I I that's I absolutely adore that it's one of my favorite spielberg movies yeah <laughs> I, I just love it i love the idea it's like let's arrest people before they do a crime yeah that seems that seems like that's 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 gonna work <laughs> yeah you would think it'd be like hey you were gonna do this what's right. up man yeah, no that, it's like but no that's whole, you're just gonna go to prison <laughs> no but that's the, that's kind of the whole point of the movie is like is like yeah. uh you know what i mean uh and, oh and then uh, you don't even get put into prison you put like in some boo or yeah. whatever, right? Don't you but, get like no, 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 asleeped? no, 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 no. You get thrown in. You get your ass thrown in in the clink. No, oh, those, but I the, thought they like make them sleep or something. Yeah, I can't. Re- I can't remember. I just remember that. Yeah, the I think they do. Are, they like you get kind of like just knocked out forever for however long or whatever. And they, yeah, that's probably what. I, yeah, I can't remember exactly. Which was, and I was like, that's real harsh. Like, <laughs> it just seems. Yeah. Quite a punishment. And okay. that was one of the first. That was one of the first times I saw my boyfriend Colin Farrell in a movie. That was early mm, Colin Farrell. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd only been making movies for about a year and a half at that point. Two years. Uh, Colin Farrell. One of the one of the one of the few things we can thank Steven Spielberg for is the discovery of Colin Farrell, which is nice. <laughs> thank you, Steven Spielberg. Thank you, Steven Spielberg. Actually, Joel <laughs> Schumacher. I will say this: Joel Schumacher, an even worse filmmaker than Steven Spielberg, discovered Colin Farrell. Mm, Joel Schumacher, okay. the director of DC Cab and Lost Boys and <laughs> Batman, Batman and Robin yeah. <laughs> and Batman Forever. 
Um, yeah. Um, yeah, he discovered uh, uh, Colin Farrell. Hmm. So, yeah. Hey, 3D printing. How about that? People are loving this thing. I do think that's neat. Tell me about you. Do you have, have you had an experience with it? My boss, Ed, no, at Radio I've Misfits, seen is, them. has one and has just been going nuts with it. Last time I was I at, mean, last time I was at Ed's office. can make stuff. He was like, he's like, yeah, look at my 3D printer. And he was, I don't know what he was building. Maybe a car. I have no idea. But it was, <laughs> there was something that was being constructed in the th- 3D printer that mm-hmm. made Ed, who is a tech guy, the guy who runs Radio Misfits, is, a, yeah. is as bad a tech guy as I've ever seen. I mean, bad as badass a tech guy as I've ever seen. Yeah. Like he knows his shit big time. And he has a 3D printer in his office and just loves it. I just so like I, the idea that you can build, you can just make things. So say something pops off of your whatever, some piece of plastic, mm-hmm. you can make it. <laughs> in this yeah, 3D that's, printer. Just to get that's a 3D so printer. That's so great. Does that's, this affect, I so wonder, cool you me. know, the next, the next time I have Tom Appel on, on our next For the People, which is uh, actually next, about a week and a half away, mm-hmm. about a week away, a little more than a week, I'm going to ask him about if, parts of cars can be made with 3d printers and if that's affected uh you know the repair business at all yeah you know what i mean oh and during the 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 height of covid people were making 3d printing um shields so the face shields they were 3d printing the thing that you that you would put over your ears i thought i thought you were gonna say they were using 3d printers to make bread (laughs) (laughs) yeah Mm-hmm. Plastic bread. <laughs> I mean, that was the, that was the thing that everybody was everybody was making bread. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say, yeah, three D printers. That everybody was making three D printing bread. Printing bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think that's supposed to be like the next thing. What is, is that? You can't. And then you will start seeing like maybe three D printed food because you just you know here. instead of the plastic stuff, you put in uh, whatever the hell. Yeah. All right. Okay. So 3D printer. How about this? Netflix streaming. Well, streaming has changed everything. I got to mm-hmm, say, and, this is, yeah. and it has been 10 years. It's been about 10 years um, that streaming has been big. And, um, and now every network, every cable organization, every business in the world has streaming. Mean, how many streaming services do you subscribe to, Esmeralda? Oh, God. Um, two, three, at least five. Yeah. Is that least? <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's interesting because we, I mean, yeah, clearly we were around when there was still rental and then this DVD. Because I remember getting Netflix in the beginning, and it was just DVDs. They, they would were mail you DVDs. They yeah. were doing yeah, they were doing the DVD delivery. Yeah, and then yeah, they, my, my, they were my, like, uh, no, my, we're not doing that anymore. When I first <laughs> met my when I first met my crazy ass uh, ex wife who lives in Oregon, she was a Netflix and had like a bunch of dvds at her house that she you mm-hmm. know and uh she was in the netflix thing and it was they would mail them and this was like two, we started dating 2004 so even at that at that at that late age like in the 2004 2005 era that's when you know you can still mail back the dvds and keep your queue remember when you had a queue yeah you had the netflix queue yeah and you would bump things up or yep. they didn't have it and yep. <laughs> yep. so um but yeah it's yeah it's completely different now. Kids, kids these days have no idea. Like no that, idea. That's what streaming is. Is their yeah. normal? And then you know, like, and then all these streaming services now make movies. They're studios now. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, it's nuts. Amazon makes movies. Uh, Apple makes movies. Yeah, because you know, Netflix was Netflix crap makes in movies. the beginning. Yeah. It was terrible. The streaming was just not good. Like, it was just two just stupid movies. Right. <laughs> um, But, yeah, they've gotten better. And they've made yeah. their own. So, mm-hmm. good job. Yeah. Well, that streaming services, I, I will say this. Of this, in this article, without question, I, I would have to say that that's made the biggest impact, I think, on entertainment at least. Is streaming. Yes. Is the is the technology of streaming has made the biggest and most rapid change in how we view movies, view television, and take our our, our, our entertainment. I think that streaming and music, streaming music services and televisions, you know, all that stuff. That mm-hmm. technology of instant, you know, uh, entertainment gratification through your electronic devices that has changed everything, and that's I think one of the major inventions that's that's changed things. Yeah. So. How about semi-autonomous cars? Another thing I won't trust. That stuff is frightening. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, those things scare me. Uh, I like the idea, but I don't trust it. Same here. Same here. There are are times when I'm like, yeah, no, a lot of these assholes shouldn't be behind the wheel, but then I'm not going to, you know, trust, like, a computer. Yeah. No, I don't need... I don't need the car to have then a mind of its own. Unless they and have it the, runs me unless, off the road. Unless they have the uh, the robot uh, taxi driver dude from Total Recall. That's the only. That's the. Only, <laughs> that's the only but then they have a mind of their own. Yeah, I don't trust it. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. All right, now here's another big one that's kind of similar to how Netflix changed everything. What about mm-hmm. Uber? Yeah. Huge, I... right? I mean, I can't imagine not having Uber anymore. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a huge thing in my life and Founded in 2009 lives. as Uber Cab by Garrett Camp and Travis Telenik. And it took off over the past decade, but it started as Uber Cab in 2009. That's how it started. And then Lyft is, uh, is the other one, obviously. The competitor right. is, is Lyft. Um. But yeah, I mean, everybody uses Uber. I don't use it as much. I've, I've used it. I've only used it a handful of times. Uber. I've not used it a ton. Um, but I know. I mean, I know people who can't live without it now. You know. I mean, I have it. I have it on my phone. You know. I mean, it's it's an app on my phone, and I and every once in a while I do use it. But I don't use it as regularly. But um, yeah, I mean, it's changed everything. Everybody uses Uber now. I yeah, like I said, I can't live without it. Um, I don't get taxis up here much, like back in the day. So yeah, Uber was I needed Uber. Yeah, yeah, and there was that period of time when, um, yeah, I mean, you know, t- you know, like taxis, there aren't as many taxis out there as there used to be, and I think I don't know if that has anything to do with what happened during COVID, how 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 the taxi business, all businesses took a hit, but taxis in general really took a hit. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I only I've I've only used Uber a few, uh, you know, seriously, only a handful of times. And it's only it's it's only because like if I'm like the last time I used Uber was I was going to be late for a movie mm-hmm. and, and the bus that was supposed to come wasn't coming. Oh, God. And so and I had to get to this movie. And that's the last time I used it. I, I, I used Uber. And, in that, and, yeah. and again, that's really convenient. It's more expensive. That's why, like, I, you know, because, you know, it's more expensive than taking the bus, which is why, you know, the, you know, why I always take the bus. Yes. But then, yeah, convenience. That's the thing. That's ultimately what it's about. Is convenience. Now, the next one on here is Instagram, which is something that I, you know, I'm still, I use it, but I don't, I guess I don't fully grasp it. (laughs) 
I mean, I don't understand TikTok. I, I will be the first person to say I don't fucking understand TikTok at all, and I think it's absolutely stupid. Instagram I use, but I don't f- quite understand it. But everybody loves the gram. Don't they call it the gram? Is that what they call it, the kids? Yes, yes, it's the gram. Yeah. Now, what is it? What is it? What, why do you think it's so popular among everybody? I mean, uh, I mean, I guess I can see why. I, I go through it every once in a while, but I just don't see it as being. I don't see it as great as everybody else on the planet does. Yeah, I mean, I like it. You take yeah. pictures and you post them and stuff, and now there's videos. Right. All right. So uh, those are uh, those are uh, the air fryer is a plus. So you you like the air fryer? Basically. Oh yeah. Okay. Love an air fryer. All right. Cool. All right, well, listen, Ezreal, thanks. Thank you. Uh, and you're, uh, you, you will be back in, uh, well, you're, you're in Mexico now. Um, of course, yes. And you will be back <laughs> for our next podcast, which will be uh, mm-hmm. Tuesday. Dan Feinberg is going to join us for some TV talk. Nice. And, uh, and there you go. And we'll have another megaphone message and all that cool stuff. And my dad will tell a joke. So that's all coming up. All right, Ezreal, thanks. And, uh, and uh, guys, if you want to be a part of the podcast, you can uh, sponsor us, uh, sales at radiomisfits.com. Uh, or you can voicemail message us 24-7 at 773-417-6948. You can drop us an, an email at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. All right, cool. All right, Esmeralda, thanks. Thank you. All right, and we'll see you next time uh, on uh, the Nick D Podcast here at radiobusiness.com. The wind is red on me.